Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. So we're going to begin today's class where we left off last week, and that is as follows. We discussed that when the Jewish people received the Torah, it says, Vayichan sham Yisrael Vayichan is a singular tense, okay? It's a singular it doesn't say Vayachanu Sham Yisrael, and they camped. No. And like he camped. Who's he? The Jewish people. They were one. Our sages tell us they were Ishechad, the Levechad. They were one nation, one soul. And this was the reason why they merited to receive the Torah, because there was unity. What does unity require? Unity requires that we see the good in others, we see the good in our fellow uh, humanity. It's interesting that the word Vayichan doesn't only mean that they camped, like Machaneh means to camp, but it also means that they found chen, they found goodness in one another. They found favor in one another. So when they looked at their fellow Jew, they didn't see them as a competitor. They didn't see them as, as rivals. They saw themselves as like one family, one nation, one, one soul, so to speak. And this was an amazing opportunity where the Jewish people received the Torah because of that oneness. So when we continue to talk about the topic of finding favor in every Jew, meaning finding the benefit of the doubt, finding the goodness, everyone has goodness, everyone has qualities, everyone has virtues, and our job is just to identify those virtues. That's it we need to do. That's our job. Identify those virtues. Okay? That's our job. So we say, uh, we mentioned the story about the donkey, right? The, the, a wise man was walking with his uh, students and they passed by a dead donkey on the floor in the forest. And uh, the student said, oh, it's a putrid smell. It's a terrible smell. And what did the sage say? True. But if you look, you'll see that his teeth are beautiful. Even from the dead carcass, you can find qualities, you can find virtues. And you'll need to look, and you'll need to search, but you'll find it. It's there. Okay? That is the, the quality of, uh, that's, if we're trying to attain the quality of kindness, the trait of loving every single Jew, this is what it entails. It entails for searching for positive traits in every person. Okay? It starts with those who are closest to us. It starts with those who are closest to us is to verbalize and let them know the why they're important to us. 
and let them know their qualities and their virtues. And you'll see that all of those relationships, whether it's a tense relationship with parents, whether it's a tense relationship with siblings or with friends, sometimes there's a tense, you know what? Just share the reason why you appreciate them, why they're so special to you. And the more a person is able to express that, the more that relationship will flourish and the more you'll start seeing more of their qualities. We just need to open ourselves up and share those, those great virtues. Okay, every human being, we established this last week, every single human being wants to be respected. Every human being wants to be respected. And if we give people that respect that they're searching for, we will learn to love them and they will love us in return as well. It says, Our sages, the Torah says, you have to love your fellow as yourself. So what does that mean? What does that mean to love your fellow like yourself? That means you have to love yourself. How do I love myself? I love myself because I know that I have virtues. I know that I have qualities. I know that I have character. I know that I have many positive things. So I love that in myself. And even though other people may see the negative in, in, in me, I know I can maintain my love for myself. Why? Because I know I have virtues. You know, if we utilize that same exact ability for others, if we love others the way we love ourselves, meaning that we find virtue in others the way we do for ourselves, right? Then that is l'reacha kamocha. You love your fellow like yourself. It's very easy for me to find favor in my own eyes, hopefully. Hopefully, it's not something to be taken for granted, by the way. In our generation, many people don't see their, their own virtues because if they're told enough times on social media or otherwise by family or friends that they're not worthy and they're not good and they're awful. And many times, sadly, you hear parents talk like that to their children. That's a very devastating thing. Parents should be the source of encouragement for their children. They should be the source of positive perspective on themselves they should have they should build a, a good healthy self-esteem because their parents believe in them and then that carries over and then when they're on their own in the world in the workforce wherever it is and people tell them you're not worthy internally at least they'll have that that energy they'll have that battery pack that always goes with them it's that their parents believe in them and they believe in themselves as well so you have to love yourself in order for you to love others. If you don't see your own virtues, there's no way in the world you can see the virtues of other people. It's a very fundamental principle. You cannot be loving of others if you don't love yourself. Because what it needs to be is the love for others is an expansion of that love for yourself. You got this? It's important. It's important for us to, to remember this. It is, I think, one of the more important things we're going to discuss is loving ourselves. Get to know yourself. See your uniqueness. See your greatness. And once you're able to connect with that, now you can expand that to other people. Now you're not concerned that by giving a compliment, you're taking away from yourself. On the contrary, by when you're comfortable with who you are, it's very easy to compliment others. It becomes easier. Okay? So... Love your fellow like you love yourself. 
one of the great teachings in the Talmud is the teaching of, of the convert who came in and wanted to know how to be Jewish. Like, tell me all of Torah standing on one foot. He came to Shammai, Shammai threw him out. So he went to Hillel. And he said to Hillel, Hillel, please teach me all of Torah while standing on one foot. So what did Hillel tell him? One principle. What you hate, what you despise, what you dislike, don't do unto other people. Right? And this was a metaphor. It's a metaphor for all of life. All of life narrows down to this one principle. If you don't want something done to you, don't do it to other people. Do you want someone to judge you negatively? Don't to judge other people negatively. You want someone to call you names? So don't call other people names. You want someone to, to, to cheat you? So don't cheat you. And if you look at the entire Torah, the entire Torah, it really is, if you don't want something done to you, don't do it to others. In what way do we see this? We see this also in our relationship with God. Because really the relationship that we have with all of our friends is, in, is a symbol of our relationship with God. God teaches us in the Torah how to act, how to interact with others, how to treat our fellow man. That's in the Torah. That's what, we're, we're, that's what the whole Torah is about. It all boils down to one principle. If you don't want it done to you, you don't like when someone treats you like this, don't treat others. So we understand the Almighty. How does the Almighty treat us? How does He treat us? The Almighty treats us very nicely. The Almighty forgives us. The Almighty is kind to us. We don't want that taken away from us, so let's treat others like that. The Torah shows us that there's no tolerance for inappropriate behavior. Right? The Torah, very merciful, but there's justice. There's law and order. So it should not be, it should not be, just because God is merciful doesn't mean that he's senile or insane. There's accountability. The Torah is all about accountability. In fact, if you go to the beginning of the Torah, the Torah says, the Torah uses two different names of God in creation. The first name of God in creation is the God of justice. The second name of God is the, the name of the God of kindness. So Rashi, the great commentator on the Torah and on the Talmud, right? Rashi jumps on this and says, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Why is there suddenly a different name change of the Almighty? And Rashi says, because really God wanted us to be in a world which is all accountability, which is all justice, but mankind can't survive like that. So God had to insert an element of kindness where, you know what, we can make mistakes and repent, make mistakes and repent, make mistakes and repent, till we get to a point that we're able to live in a world of justice. But the ultimate, the Torah teaches us, is to live in a world of accountability. That's what you work hard, you, get, you earn a living, you wake up in the morning, and you get, get out, right? No free handouts. Now, it happens to be Abraham, right? Abraham was an example of what it meant to be a true liberal. Today, all, all of liberalism is one big fake liberalism, masquerading. It's not real, okay? What we have today is not Abraham. It's not a tolerant society. 
It's showing intolerance, right? For any opinion that's not theirs. Abraham was tolerant of everyone. He had the soup kitchens. His tent was open on all four sides. He was forgiving. He was kind. He was, you name it. He was the quintessential liberal. What was Isaac? Isaac was the quintessential Republican, conservative Republican. You wake up, you grab yourself by your bootstraps, you get a job, there's no free handouts. Okay, now each one had an extremist son. Abraham had an extremist son named Ishmael, who became an adulterer because everything is tolerated. Everything is love is love and love, see, right? It's just like whatever. And he just did whatever he wanted and was an adulterer. What was Esau, the son of Isaac? He was an extremist as well. He became a murderer. Why? He was the judge, the jury, and the, and the uh, executioner. He saw someone do something no good. Boom, take his head off. Goodbye. Each one had an extremist. What was Jacob? Jacob was the perfection of both of them. If you want to know the Torah's perspective on politics, right? It's an Abraham and an Isaac combined. That's what it is. But a true Abraham and a true Isaac. So there's, this, there's yes, there's mercy and there's kindness and there's forgiving. But there's also accountability. So I don't want to get into it because it's not a class on how the world should operate. It's on, on, on the Torah's view on, on politics. But rather, it's for us to understand that we have to see the positive in every human being. Right? God wanted us to be accountable. We're not able to be accountable for everything. So God inserted an element of kindness. Okay? And thanks to your question, there is accountability in the Torah. And many people, I can tell you, having taught the, the, the series every year going over the Torah, many people are uncomfortable with the Torah's exactness of punishment to sinners. People are uncomfortable. Oh, why doesn't show, God show more compassion? Why God, doesn't God forgive more? Why doesn't God... Because there's accountability. You can't just do whatever you want. Okay? People want to be respected. Every one of us wants to be respected. So what's the best way to treat others? Respect them. Give them their due honor. Give them, recognize their qualities. You know, it's an interesting, interesting principle that we learned from Abraham. Abraham is uh, being visited by the Almighty right after his uh, circumcision. His bris was a few days or two days earlier. And now God comes to him to visit him, so to speak. And then he says, um, God, it's really nice that you're here, but I got to run. <laughs> I got to take care of some visitors, some passers-by. I got to take care of them and feed them. And we see that God rewarded Abraham for that. What do you mean? I don't understand. The king comes to visit you. Imagine the president comes to visit you, right? Or the king of a nation comes to visit you. They're sitting in your kitchen, around your kitchen table with you, and you say, thank you so much for visiting me. I gotta, I gotta take care of my neighbor's cat. I gotta feed the neighbor's cat. I have to go deliver a package to, well, what type of thing is this? God, creator of heaven and earth comes to visit you because you're sick and you get up and you say, I'm sorry, I'm out. I gotta go help these passers-by. Doesn't make any sense. And we see that God acknowledges Abraham, God waits for Abraham Till he's done taking care of his guests. Why? Because there's a very fundamental principle is that having proper conduct with our fellow human being comes before the proper conduct with God. 
if a person doesn't treat their fellow man properly, God says, don't come to me and be some righteous person. Don't try to be righteous to me, but not be righteous to my fellow human beings. First, treat fellow human beings properly. Then you can come to me and try to be righteous. Right? You think of it like this. Everybody wants to be righteous. Everybody wants to be good. And some people decide in, in synagogues, various different synagogues I've been to, they decide that they're going to be they're going to be the God in the synagogue. They're going to tell people that they can't talk. They're going to be telling the people that they can't do this or do that. And they're going to tell everyone what to do. Why? Because it, they want to talk to God. That's very good. That's what synagogue is for. But what's about embarrassing your fellow in public? Maybe there's a nicer way to, sh- to, to, to share your insight of how someone should conduct themselves. Maybe there's a nicer way to say it. But what the Torah teaches us is before you run to be so holy in front of the Almighty, make sure that your affairs between humanity, between human beings, are in order appropriately. Okay. Our sages teach us that the nature of a person is that if you love someone, you will love their children too, and the love gets carried over. Right? If you have an affinity for someone, it goes over to their family. Right? If you don't love God's children appropriately, then perhaps we don't love God appropriately. Okay? Because if we love someone's someone, if when we love someone so greatly, we love their children. Shouldn't we love Hashem's creations appropriately as well? If we don't love Hashem's creations appropriately, perhaps we don't love Hashem in the right fashion. And that's what, it's again, such a fundamental principle that we have to understand that the proper conduct, the proper respect that we have for our fellow human beings is an indication of the proper relationship we should be having with the Almighty. It's easier for us to love ourselves. And in the process of loving ourselves, recognize that every single virtue that we have is from the Almighty. So really, essentially, we are the the core of our world, of our globe, of our universe, is us. And if we don't love ourselves, there's no way we can love the Almighty. In realizing how, right, you know, it's a very interesting principle that that we learn in, in the Hebrew language is that the word love comes from the word hav, right? What do you say the word love in Hebrew? Ahava, correct. The word of ahava is the word hav, which means to give. The more you give, the more you will love. That's the reality of any relationship. If you ask parents who have special needs children, children, you will see that their love for the special needs children usually supersedes the love they have for the other children. It doesn't mean they love the other children less, but that relationship is special. And the reason it's so special is because they devote so much more time to that child. And they're giving so much to that child that their love for that child is exponentially greater than the other children. Now, I believe that parents, people ask me, Rabbi, do you have a favorite child? Thank God, every one of my seven children are my favorites. Favorites in a very unique, different way. Each one is unique. Each one is special. Each one has their own character and their own personality that's unique. So they're all my favorite. And I'm not trying to be cutesy with like, you know, they're all my favorite. They really are. Everyone has their own 
uniqueness. And I don't try to lump them all together as, oh, this child did this, so you should do that as well. well. What does one have to do with the other? You're your own human being. You're your own personality. You're your own capabilities. We have to recognize that. But in the, in, in the sense of giving, the more you're able to give to a person, the more you're able to love that person. And that's why relationships, this, this is a very common thing in our world today where people feel like I, I, if a person is married for an extended period of time, many times, most times it should be the opposite. But many times they feel like they fall out of love. Oh, when we were young, you know, we were so in love. And then when we got older, you know, we fell out of love. Well, that's because the original love wasn't based on giving. If the love was based on a giving, then the love only expands with time. And the more a person is able to give, the more they will love. This is the fundamental principle of life. So now, if we're trying to love our children more, what do we need to do? We have to give more. If we are trying to love our spouse more, what do we need to do? We need to give more. If we are trying to love ourselves more, we have to realize something different. And same thing is with loving, loving God, is that we have to realize how much we are, how much God gives us. When you realize how much your spouse gives for you, that your love for them grows. When you realize how much the Almighty gives to you, your love for God grows as well. This, again, is a fundamental principle that in order to grow your love, you have to recognize and establish the goodness that you benefit from. And when we're able to see and we're able to identify Wow, look at this amazing life that God gave me. You know what I tell my children in the morning? I tell my children, now it's time to pray. We have to go thank Hashem. You have to thank Hashem for giving you life. Thank Hashem for giving you such an amazing world. Thank Hashem for giving you such a beautiful day. Did you wake up and you were able to get up out of bed and move your head like this? You know how many miracles need to work right for you to be able to do that? And for you to sit up and to be able to button a button? And to dress yourself and to put on shoes and to stand up. You know how many things, how many millions of things need to work right for that to happen? We need to stop and thank Hashem. And the more we do that, the happier we'll be. We'll be like, wow, Hashem believes in me that much. Hashem thinks that highly of me that he invests all of these resources in me. For what reason? Because he thinks I'm capable of doing great things. Hashem believes in me. So we know like this. It's a very interesting thing. I was just having a conversation with someone, and uh, they're in university now, and we were talking about their favorite subject, their least favorite subject, and they said that math is their worst subject. I said, why is math your worst, if you, your, your worst subject? They said, because there are variables, many different. I said, what do you mean? I said, math should be the, the most favorite because there's only one right answer. You see, when I ask you, what's the best way to do something? And that's the multiple choice. So it depends on my opinion on what's the best way to do something, right? So you have to learn my opinion to know what the right answer is on the test that I give you. But in math, there's only one right answer. Two plus two will always equal four. It'll always be the right answer. That means the right answer. If you use the right process, you'll always get to the correct answer. There's no variables. When we say that loving your fellow like yourself, 
Klal Gadol Batorah. This is the bottom line in Judaism. The bottom line is love your fellow like yourself. Because if that bottom line is off, the whole calculation is off. The whole service of God is off if our relationship with our fellow man is off. If we don't love our fellow man like we love ourselves, there's something wrong in the calculation. And therefore, the bottom line of all of Judaism is off. If we don't have the proper love for our fellow man. So, we see that loving our fellow man is a prerequisite for accepting the Torah. It's a prerequisite for the mitzvah of loving your fellow human like you love yourself, right? Ben Adam the proper interaction between our fellow man. Through our proper conduct with our fellow, we can measure our love for God. Because if loving God's creations isn't appropriate, that right isn't in the appropriate manner that it should be, then our love for God is, is lacking as well. And it is also the barometer of the proper fulfillment of mitzvahs. So if we don't have the proper love for our fellow, now, why did we get into this topic? The reason we got into this topic is because we want to learn how to love every human being appropriately. How do I love every human being appropriately? The right way. Well, I don't really like everybody. Not everyone's my... Guess what? If we realize that every single person has virtues, every single person has qualities, then we will find a way to just see those qualities, identify them. You don't have to become their business partner. You don't have to marry them. You don't have to dance with them. You don't have to you know, become a partner with them in business. But just identify their qualities and you will begin to love them more than you did previously. Interestingly, how do we overcome a per how how do we overcome and like someone who we really dislike? How do you like someone you dislike? Okay, so we mentioned step number one: find a virtue. Find a virtue in the other person. So I want to share with you a story they say about Reb Noach Weinberg. Reb Noach Weinberg was the founder of Asia Torah, the great institution in, in Jerusalem, right across from the Kotel. Oh, you have his book right there. Look at that, Eliza. And uh, really an amazing, amazing man. When he would go to ask for charity for his institution, so he would ask himself, what is something nice I can say to this person? What? Something nice. And I think it's such a great quality right? To, for us to have to every human being, every human being, you're meeting someone, what's something nice I can say to them? Oh, those are beautiful shoes. I love your hair. Right? Whatever it is, there's, there's something nice that we can always say. So loving people's hair is, a, is a, usually a woman thing that they say, not a man thing. So just uh, putting it out there. But, uh, but find something nice. It's a nice shirt, right? I love that belt, right? There's something nice that you can say. Find something nice that you can say to every person that you meet. Find something nice. Everybody has a mixture of positive and negative. Which will you focus on? Will you focus on that positive or will you focus on the negative? Oh, you couldn't be on time? Or you could say, I love those shoes, right? Which one starts a better conversation? Which one makes people feel better? 
right? Yeah, the person knows they came late to your meeting. But when you start with it, looking at the positive, it begins a positive cycle. It begins a whole relationship of positivity. There's a story that's told. I shared this story here in the class, my own story, but I want to share with you a different story, very, very similar. There was a, a student in a school in Jerusalem who was doing very, very, very terribly awful. Okay. Every teacher threw this kid out of class. He's so disruptive. He's so he's so he's such a disturbance to the class. We cannot have him here in the class. And every day the new teacher was put into a different class. Teacher sent him to the principal. I can't handle this kid. Okay. One day the principal said to the kid, you know what? Come here, come, come here, come into my office. I'm not sending you into another class. I want to sit with you for a few minutes. He says, I want you to tell me something you're really good at. It thinks it's like nothing. Just one thing. No, nothing. Can't think of anything. There's nothing that you're like good at. It's okay. I just thought I actually, I can climb the tree faster than anyone in my class. Says, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Had him write it down. And then he says, I want you to tell me another thing that you can do better than anybody else in your class. He says, you know, I can actually, I can run faster than anyone in my class. It's amazing. Excellent. He started writing it down. Held him to write it down. And he made him write down 10 or 15 things that he was excellent at. The problem, and, and the child, and he required him, he says, every morning when you wake up, I want you to look in the mirror and take this list of these 10 or 15 things. And I want you to read it. I am the best at climbing trees. I am the best at running a race. I am the best and found those 15 things never had an issue with that child again in class. Now he felt good about himself. He didn't need to stand out in a negative way. He stood out in a positive way. Okay. Every human being wants to stand out. Everybody. I was explaining this to my daughter this week. She says, well, I don't know. Maybe I said, what's if you walk into a wedding and you see someone wearing exactly the same thing as you? She says, what do you mean? I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the worst, worst day ever. But you love this dress. It's so pretty. But someone else is wearing it. I'm not special. Everybody wants to feel special. We have to recognize that if we're able to find the uniqueness of each human being, they will feel so happy around us. We'll make every person feel good. That's the way to find favor in eyes of humanity. Okay? So train yourself to see the positive. Okay, there's a story that's told about, I don't remember the exact name of the criminal, but there was a criminal that everybody was looking for. And, you know, it was actually two brothers, twin brothers, and they were murderers. The whole country was in a lockdown trying to catch these two murderers. Finally, they caught them and they interviewed the mother at some point. They interviewed the mother of these two scoundrels. And the mother said, my children, they're the nicest, most sensitive people. You don't realize these kids are murderers, right? True, everybody else can see them as murderers, but she's still their mother. She sees their virtues. She sees their qualities. Every human being has qualities. Even that, those murderers, even those people who do terrible things, they have qualities. And we have to identify what those qualities are. And, what's, and we mentioned this. In the laws of Lashon HaRa, the Chafetz Chaim tells us, imagine that the person that you're suspecting of doing a terrible thing you find out after is one of your parents. Suddenly our perspective will change on the story. 
well, you know, I, you know, it's like, we'll find a way to judge them favorably, right? They say, look, I saw someone, you know, you know, shoplifting. Terrible, terrible. They should throw the person into prison. Then you find that it's your, it's your parent. Imagine. Suddenly we'd say, you know what? Maybe it was something that they left in the store. They paid for it already. And, you know, it's like, you know, I've had a couple of times where, you know, I bought something. It, it turns out that it was expired, you know. So I bring it back to the return desk. And they say, it's no problem. Just go get another one. And then I get, I get, you know, that's a bottle of milk. I don't want to just walk out of the store with a bottle of milk. So I, what I do is, I don't, and it's like, I just, it feels uncomfortable. So I'd go and I'd say to the individual, you know, I would acknowledge that I, I took the, you see, I got the, the milk and I ask him for a bag so that it, it doesn't look like I just shoplifted and walked out. But imagine if someone said, I just saw someone just walk right out of the store without paying for it. They can have a very good case, right? But what's if it was your parent or your child? You'll find a way to see the positive in them because my parent doesn't do terrible things. My parent is a good person. My child wouldn't do a terrible thing. My child is a good person. So if you just change the details in our mind, we'll find a way to see favorable, favorable things, right? It says that just as the water reflects your image, so to the heart of, of one another. When you look at another person favorably, they will look back at you favorably. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. You see them in a positive light, they'll see you in a positive light. Okay, and that's the, one of the rules of, of this world that we're living in is that it, it's a direct response for how we see things. Okay, love enables us to see the good in other people and the opposite is true as well. Seeing the good in others helps us create the love for others. Okay, it says that who is the person who loves life? Eternal life. Ohev Yam and Liros loves all of his life to see good in other people. There was once an individual who said he was selling a, a medication which gives you a long life. So one of the great rabbis went over and said, Oh, is a peddler here selling a medicine? Right? Who wouldn't go if you found out there was a medicine that can get you to live 125 years in good health? Would anybody not go out and buy it? You wouldn't go out and buy it? You don't want to, you, of course, we'd go out and buy it. All of us, we'd line up on, you right? And what was he saying? He was saying this verse from Psalms. Mi ha'isha chafetz chaim. You want good life? Ohev yamim lirosto. All of his days finds favor in the eyes of other people by seeing the goodness. You see the good in other people. Everything around you is happy. Everything around you is good. Everything around you is positive. You can transform a person's life by recognizing their qualities. The opposite is true. By only seeing negative in another person, you can destroy a person's life. We see Arna Kohen, the great Kohen, the leader of the Jewish people, the, the, the brother of, 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 of Moshe. Right? What's the great virtue of Aaron? He was a person of peace. He didn't only love peace, he pursued peace. You know, is anybody here, a show of hands, that doesn't love peace? We all love peace. Of course we love peace. We'll declare it every day of the week. I love peace. I'm a man of peace, right? Well, you might be a person of peace, but are you willing to pursue peace? Or just when it knocks on your door, you'll say, okay, come in. Aaron didn't say, 
It's not my issue. It's not my business. It's not my fight. I'm, I'm going to stay out of it. That's what most people say when a fight comes their way. They say, listen, it's not my business. Why am I inter- intervening? Those two people have a fight between themselves. Let them handle it themselves. I'm staying out. Aaron said, no. Their fight is my fight. If a husband and wife aren't getting along, it's my problem. If two partners aren't getting along, it's my problem. And he made it his business. What would he do? Aaron would go over to one side and he would tell them, you know something? You know that guy? He's like, yeah, like he's my my nemesis. He's my he's my I hate that guy. He says, you, 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 you don't you don't know. He came to me yesterday and he told me that he feels so terrible what he did. He just he said, you know, so why doesn't he apologize? He said he's so embarrassed. He's so embarrassed what he did. He says, real? He said that to you? Yeah, yeah, he said that to me. And then Aaron would go to the other one and say to him, you know that guy? So of course I know him. We we've been hating each other for years. I says, you have no idea. Yesterday he told me how embarrassed he was. He, he can't even come to apologize. He's so, he's really, he said that? And they go and they'd go hug each other and they'd make, okay, so 20 years later, they find out that it never really happened. And then Aaron just, you know, duped them. He tricked them into loving one another. Really, that's what it takes. But Aaron didn't want to see people fighting. So whatever it took to make peace, he made peace. And he made it his business that if people are fighting, I'm going to have to fix this problem. That was Aaron. Aaron wanted peace because there's nothing that brings blessing to this world greater than peace. But the only way you can see peace is if you see virtue. So what did Aaron also do? Aaron had another virtue. Aaron was, again, he's the, whole, he's the high priest. Right? He'd bring the offerings in the temple, in the tabernacle. The Jewish people did that. He would go in. He'd go into the Holy of Holies. Unbelievable, Aaron. So imagine if Aaron walked over to one of us. Eh, simple people, right? What am I? What can I do? Aaron would, would, would go over to one of the sinners and he'd become their friend. And they'd be like, one second, Aaron is being my friend? Doesn't Aaron know that I'm a sinner? Doesn't Aaron know that I'm a terrible person? And Aaron would continue to be their friend as if they were righteous, as if they were holy, as if they were great people. And them in their hearts, they're thinking to to themselves, if Aaron only knew how terrible I was, he would never talk to me again. He would never talk to me again. So what would they do in order to merit being worthy of Aaron's friendship? They would leave their bad ways in order not to lose that friendship. It's exactly the way good parenting should be. Parents should never catch their children doing bad things. Parents should never catch their children doing bad things. Because a parent should always believe in the child, and the child should believe that the parent only sees the good in them. And if the parent sees the good in them, the child says, you know what? My parents believe in me. They think I'm so great. I better live up to it. But if the parent says, oh, yeah, my my son is a total loser. My son is is a cheater. He's a liar. He never says, right? When the parent says, you know, my, my father had a rule in our house. He would say this all the time. My children don't lie. They only say the truth. You know what happened? We didn't lie. We only said the truth. Because that's what my father believed. So I wasn't going to prove him wrong. So we had to say the truth. because Not because he said, don't lie to me. You're a liar. No, on the contrary. He said, my children, they're, they're great kids. They only say the truth. They'll never lie. And we said, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I want to live up to that. And it, it was what you tell your children is what they'll be. You tell them that they're a loser, they'll be a loser. You tell them that they're great, they'll be great. 
hopefully. I don't know that I came got to the point of, of greatness, but but that's what we learned from Aaron. We got we learned this from Aaron. Aaron saw the positives, so the positive came to life. Aaron saw the virtues, so the virtues came to life. Many times people don't see the virtues in themselves, so they 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 let themselves fall to the side. We have to be those who believe in people. We have to believe in those around us. You know, you're a really great person. You have a beautiful smile, right? And the person will walk around the whole day smiling to people. We can change people's lives by seeing the virtues in them, by seeing how great they are. There are so many ways for us to change people's lives by seeing their qualities and by thinking out of our own, our own selves for another person. I said this story recently. I want to just share this quickly and end with the story. Okay. There was a, a family in where my father grew up in, in Beriako. It's a little village in, near uh, Rehovot. There was a, uh, a and there were two families that were in a quarrel. They were in a fight for many, many years together. They were in a fight and this rabbi, Rabbi Jacobson, knew that they were in a fight and was looking for an opportunity to bring them together. What happened was is that one of his grandchildren was a stillborn baby. And as a stillborn baby, you still have to have a funeral. And before the funeral, he picked up the phone and called up each of these families. And he said to them, you know, I had a stillborn grandchild that was born. We're going to have the funeral in a few minutes. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's terrible. What can we do? He says, I want you to come to my house immediately. And not telling the other one, they both arrive at the house and they're looking at each other. Doesn't the rabbi know that we, we don't talk to each other? The rabbi walks out of the house in front of these two families that have been hating each other for decades. And he walks out with this little baby who's about to be buried. Lifeless baby comes out and he says to these individuals, he says, this child came to this world and is going back to its creator, not having done a single mitzvah. This baby hasn't done a single mitzvah. He says, I want the two of you to make peace and for that to be this baby's mitzvah. That when it comes back to the creator, it came back doing a mitzvah, the mitzvah of making peace on earth. And indeed, they made peace. And then the baby was right. Can you imagine someone is in such terrible pain they just lost a grandchild. And what are they thinking about? They're thinking about how can I bring peace to this world? How can I bring people to love each other, not people to hate each other? How can I make this world a better place? So they utilize every opportunity to bring goodness to this world. That's what we need to be that vessel that continues to bring goodness to this world. How do we do that? By loving every Jew by seeing the virtue of every human being and acknowledging them. It's not going to take away from you by you acknowledging the goodness of others. If we just focus every day, few minutes, we're meeting someone, what can we say nice to them? What can we compliment them with? What can we make them feel good about themselves with? And we'll change this world every single day.